Last week, we were, we were talking about Jesus healing the lame man. Do you remember that story? Jesus healed the lame man, and immediately the Jewish leaders were upset because he was healed on the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath is, they, they deemed that a day of rest, and there was 39 different laws you had to follow in order to keep the Sabbath. And so these Jewish leaders are upset, and they are turning now to Jesus, instead of being upset at the lame man, remember the lame man threw Jesus under the bus. He said, no, he's the one that told me to take my mat and walk. He's the one that healed me. So now they're upset at Jesus. And today, as we're going to read it, you know, the, the goal of this series as we're going through the book of John is that you understand Jesus' role and his function. No one covers that like John. And so I, I encourage you as we're reading, look at all the characteristics, and today we're going to use the word aspects. Look at the aspects of who Jesus is today as we read. So John chapter 5, start at verse 16. It says, so the Jewish leaders began harassing, everyone say harassing. They began harassing Jesus for, the, for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He is doing. In fact, the Father will show Him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will uh, truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those He raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone He wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot of truth packed in here on who Your Son is. And God, we can have church all our lives and, and understand Your Son but Lord, there is a difference between us understanding who He is and submitting to Him and that absolute authority that He speaks of. So God, I pray today, our hearts will be open. We will be open to the examination of Your Holy Spirit to see, God, if we have understood and accepted Your Son's absolute authority. I thank You in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. So there's, there, 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 as, as we read through that, you could probably read that there are tons of aspects we can learn about Jesus and who He is. But today we're going to choose to focus on three. Three aspects of who Jesus is in this passage. And the first thing that really stood out to me is the fact that Jesus, now, now you read that these Jewish leaders are harassing Him, right? What do you suppose that harassment looks like? Because it said they were trying to kill him. Did you read that? And so Jesus responds in this manner and he is describing his role and who he is. And the first thing that he points out is the fact that he has a relationship with the Father. He has a relationship with the Father. 
And so what Jesus is trying to do, and this is what they don't get, they're, they're looking at him as speaking blasphemous words because he just referred to God as his father. And so they're, they're, they're looking at this man and saying, he's equating himself with God. And what Jesus is doing is he's explaining, he's got this, this working relationship with God the Father. And I, I want to read that verse over again, well, verses 19 and 20. It says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Now, I don't know how you, to, how you choose to learn things. I know how I chose to learn as a little child. I learned by watching. Watching what my dad did, watching what my mom did, watching what people around me did, my parents correcting that behavior and telling me that was the wrong thing to do. But that's, that's how we learn and that's how we develop and become like something or become like our parents or become like God is that working relationship. A few years back, uh, the president of Open Bible was noticing that churches were starting up their own schools of ministry, and he wanted to kind of have this universal attack on how they operate. And so he got up at a national convention, and he said, we really ought to be focusing in these, in these mentorship-type roles, we really ought to be focusing on a, a, a threefold approach. He said, the first is where... I do, you watch. Then you do, I watch. And then you do. And see, a very simple principle that Jesus is teaching here is that he is operating out of who his father is. He also is because he has been in the throne room of God. He is part of God. And so he's simply operating out of what the father does. And you and I, our, our behaviors, they're, they're developed in repetition by what we see. My youngest son is the spitting image of his mother. In fact, if you looked at a picture of her father at his age, they look almost identical. But I can tell you that if you spend any significant time with Gabe, you'll realize that he is like his father. He's got his father's sense of humor, which comes and goes, right? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And, and there, there is a lot of him that is like me, even though most people look at him and say, well, he's clearly Wendy's, I don't know about you. But you can see in his behaviors that he is like me. And it's because, it's because as he's sitting there watching me, and I don't know why he admires me, and he admires the things that I do, that, that he, starts, he starts imitating them, and then it starts becoming who he is as well. And I am telling you that Jesus is telling us this same simple principle that he operates out of this relationship with the Father because he has seen what God has done. He is doing what God has done. And because of his obedience... His father is also using him, which we're going to get to a little later. 
So the Jewish leaders, they're viewing everything he is saying as, as blasphemous, and Jesus operates out of, his, out of this relationship, but he just demonstrated who God was by his actions and that he would continue to operate that way. In verse 17, Jesus said, and this is what was really offensive to him, my father is always working. Remember what the issue was. The issue was that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. And so Jesus responds by saying, my father is also working and I'm only doing what the father does. And in man's mind, Sabbath, Sabbath was birthed out of God resting. And so that's why they rested because God did on the seventh day after he had creation. But you and I should know by now, God doesn't take Sundays off. God doesn't take Sundays off. Or if you go back to, 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 to the Jewish practice, God doesn't take Saturdays off. And so Jesus is simply saying, what I'm doing is good. What I'm doing is of the Father's will. And so he reveals God is always working, so I must always be working. And church, I am telling you that if you and I are going to reveal Jesus Christ to humanity, that can't take a day off. Are you hearing me? And we discussed this a little bit last week, but we don't take days off ministering to people. See, so many people look at their faith as like a time clock at a job. They go to that time clock and they're like, okay, God, I'm on today. You put your time card in. Well, now most of you probably punch it up on a computer. But, but you put that time card in, you file it, you're like, man, I'm, I'm working right now. I'm employed. But guess what? There's going to be something that you might want to be doing later, and you know, like, I got to get that time card and I got to punch out right now. And so many of us, whether it's, whether it's hours in a day or whether it's a specific day of the week, you might be taking that time card and you might be saying, you know what, I'm going to punch out here for a while because I want to do my own thing. And I am telling you, we still need to seek God day by day, hour by hour. It doesn't matter if you're in church. It doesn't matter if you're out of church. You should be living a life that is about relationship with God. Are you hearing me? And we need to focus on doing this not out of obligation or assumption of what we should be doing, but operating out of that relationship. Now, how do you come into relationship with God? I can tell you that when I first truly understand who God was in my life. And I said, you know what? I am going to start living for God and I'm going to start doing things for God. And I can tell you that my life operated out of not seeking him and what he wanted me to do with my life, but saying, you know what, God? I've got some really great ideas. And I'm going to do those great ideas for you. And I just fully express, expect that you are going to bless it. And my reality, and you and I, we talked about this last week, but I cannot bless God out of what I think he wants. I bless God by my obedience in doing what he says. That's how I bless God. About seven years ago, 
I remember it was a Saturday evening. We were having a peaceful evening at home. Kids are all doing their own thing, you know. Parents, don't you love that? Where they're all off doing their own thing, and you can just do your own thing. That's great. And um, I remember we're just relaxing upstairs, and Eva runs upstairs in her broken English that she spoke about seven years ago, and she said, Isaac made a mess. And so we go downstairs into the basement, and we see about 50 different sheets of paper, all having different artwork on it, that he has glued to the walls of our basement. Right? And Isaac is standing there. I mean, we've got this picture somewhere out there on Facebook. Isaac is standing there in his minion pajamas, and he's standing there like this. Because he is proud of what he has just done, and he wants us to be equally as proud. And for a very brief moment, I will tell you that I looked at the artwork, and I'm like, I'm kind of impressed. But then I looked at the glue that was behind that sheet of paper, and all of a sudden, any, any nature I had in me that was like, yeah, I'm proud of this kid, all of a sudden turns it, but we've got a major problem here. In his mind, what he was doing should please us. In our minds, so often, we think we've got everything figured out. God, I can do exactly what you want me to do. I got this. I don't even need you to speak a word, God. I got this. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do something. And you're going to be so impressed with what I have for you, God. And then you're standing there at your creation. God, look what I've done. And I'm sure in his mind, he's like, you know, I appreciate the effort. But you don't know what I want. You don't know what I want. You learn what God wants by having a relationship with him and who he is, and how he operates, and operating out of that same thing. See, it displays how often we can fall short of pleasing God the Father when we assume what he wants, instead of seeking him and doing what he wants. And so you and I, what we need to focus on is operating out of that relationship. I'm going to read Galatians 1 verse 10. Galatians 1.10 says, Paul the Apostle, he says, Obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You know, when I first focused on this, I was focused on the word of what it means to be Christ's servant. And then I also got caught up in how much we twist that by pleasing people and not God. But some translations uh, of, of this verse use the words bond servant instead of servant. And I want to explain this kind of service just for a moment for you. This kind of service operates in the will of those that you are in service to. And you are bonded to them because of what they have done for you. Now I just want to specify, you cannot operate out of what you assume about God or what you think you know about God and you don't know. 
So the way that we operate out of knowing him is by, by spending time reading the word of God. Time in prayer. Take time in meditating in his word. Praising him. Worshiping him. Giving him room to speak and pour out on you. See, that's what Jesus did. He did that. So you should seek to only operate out of that relationship too. You know Jesus didn't start his ministry till the age of 30. This is the son of God. He didn't start his ministry till the age of 30. And before he started his ministry, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days for fasting. Sought God. Church, there's something we should learn from that. Even the Son of God sought him in what he was to have him do. And because Jesus did, the second aspect that we can talk about is that Jesus said God's given him authority. He's given him authority to judge. And Jesus said this interesting truth. He said the Father judges no one, but the Son does. Listen to verse 22. He says, in addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge. I'm not sure if you understand that word absolute. That means total. He's given Jesus total authority. And I'm sure that the Jewish believers, they already didn't like that He was saying that He was the Son of God. They said, you're trying to equate yourself to God. But now Jesus is giving them an even more significant truth that he has the authority to judge. And here's why. Jesus does exactly what the Father asks of him. And so God has given him this authority because of his perfect obedience. And who he is. So Jesus, he's kind of giving them a warning. He's saying, hey, be careful how you respond. Be careful how you handle me. And it's not that he is giving this as a threat, but he's revealing truth to them, and they can't see how God works. So Jesus, what he is doing is he's speaking prophetically about his role in the judgment of mankind. Now, I want to give you this bit of truth today in what Jesus is referring to. One day, God is going to call all those who have a right relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. He's going to call us home. And one day, God is going to put an end to all the chaos, all the nonsense that this world brings. And then at that time, Jesus is going to judge the world. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 31. This was written by Luke. He said, For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. It's saying, So God has set a day for judging the world with the justice, with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Again, what gives Jesus that right is his perfect obedience to God the Father. He never sinned. He always operated in the will of the Father. He was the perfect 
representation of God here on earth. You and I can't live up to that, right? We can't live up to that. It, it, is, it is absolutely impossible. And so to ever put anyone on that kind of pedestal is utter nonsense because we're all going to fall short and we cannot be perfect. But I am telling you, as much as we acknowledge we can't be perfect, it seems like we're a little bit too loose with that approach sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I can't be perfect, pastor, so I'm just going to go out and do stupid things. That's, that's not how it should work. Because what you do, whether or not you believe it is in secret, God sees all. God sees all. And you have to give an account of that. And then for us, there, there are things that people on this earth, we have seen them get away with things. And we're like, man... Does God see what's going on here? Absolutely. He sees and He knows. And they will be held accountable. But here's the truth that I hold on to, and this is why why I love who Jesus is. Because if we have accepted Jesus Christ and we have accepted His sacrifice and we choose to believe in Him, that we are going to be saved in judgment because of what Jesus Christ has done. Okay? Now don't get me wrong. Scripture is very clear, and this is a deep principle, and I'm not going to talk about it very long. But there are two judgments talked about in Scripture. See, all believers will have to face the white throne judgment. And what that means is that you and I, we are going to be judged by our works, what we've done. We're going to be held accountable for those actions. And you aren't going to be condemned to hell. I mean, because you have claimed Jesus Christ, you are saved. But God is still looking over your life and saying, okay, now what are you going to do with this faith that you have? So you and I, we have to operate out of that relationship. You guys tracking with me? Okay. Because I stand secure in knowing that Jesus came to rescue us from our own foolishness. He came to save those that which were lost. You and I fall into that category. Aren't you thankful for Him? Where I was heading was not going to get me to God. But because of Christ... I can stand in judgment one day, redeemed, covered by His blood through His death and then His resurrection. Praise God for perfect love. I'm so thankful for that perfect love. Something in understanding Jesus and this absolute authority that He talks about. You and I shouldn't be scared or subservient of it. And yes, we should fear God. But we should be thankful and joyous over His authority in our lives. You know what I've found? There's no such thing as working for yourself. There's no such thing. I've heard so many people say, I just want to work for myself. No one's in charge of me. I do whatever I want. I'm going to tell you, there's always someone in authority over you. I, as a pastor of a church, you could look at me and say, no, no, what about you? Well, I'm going to tell you, I have a board I answer to. 
But more importantly, I have a denomination that we answer to. And their authority is one that is not where they ask you to be subservient to them. They are asking you, they have guidelines for you to follow so that you can be confident in what is right and what is wrong. That's who Jesus is. That's exactly who Jesus is. And so you and I, we should be thankful for him and the sacrifice that he has made and the fact that he is in authority over us today. When you realize that, that's when in turn, the third aspect that Jesus talks about, we can truly honor him. We can truly honor him for who he is and what he has done because we cannot give honor to God without the Son. We can't do it. Jesus spelled it out right there. I want to read verses 22 and 23 again. It says, He has given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent Him. You cannot I'm going to say this for a third time. You cannot honor God without bringing honor to Jesus Christ. This statement by Jesus alone tells us you cannot give God, the creator of the universe, honor by any other means necessary than honoring him, Jesus. Jesus goes on to further explain this in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. So I want to say this and I want to be very clear because there are churches that are, that are teaching a false doctrine in this. God cannot be honored in any practice outside of belief and service to Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. And Jesus explains here why. And so we have to stand on this truth in knowing, I'm sorry, all roads can't lead to heaven because all roads don't provide a perfect sacrifice so that we can be redeemed of our folly. We can be redeemed of our foolishness that can only be accomplished through Jesus. And so this term honor that Jesus uses God has displayed in honoring him by giving him the responsibility of judgment, which he will also do perfectly. So you have been told to bring honor to him. And by doing that is by doing what he asks of us. I want to read for you. Two verses you should all know if you've been in any church any significant amount of time. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Imagine what that pleading might be like. I beg of you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Everyone say transform. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing 
and perfect. In what ways can you honor Him? I want you to think about that. In what ways can you honor Him? You know, this week we celebrated Veterans Day on Wednesday. And that is our way of showing appreciation to those who have dedicated their lives in service to our country and have a willingness to sacrifice, them, sacrifice themselves for their fellow man. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of honor of Jesus and who Jesus is. Because Jesus came to this earth to live amongst men, sympathize with our weakness, what it means to be human. And he lived a perfect life, and he took the penalty of our sin. So he took the place of us on that cross. You and I can't escape it. We have fallen short of the glory of God and we deserve hell because of our disobedience. But God said, no, I've got a better way. I've got a better way. So you and I can recognize what he's done for us. And that we now have a hope in heaven because of him sending his son. Jesus Christ showed us a right way to live. And so you and I, by his words, by his guidance, by doing what he asks, we bring honor to him. I don't know about you, but I don't deserve that kind of sacrifice. I don't deserve it. But because of his love for us, because of that sacrifice, we are bonded to him. I am his bond servant. Because he took my place. And now I can stand here in freedom. And I know that Jesus Christ, if I look to how he lived his life, that he showed us how to serve God by telling the Jewish leaders what the greatest commandment was and the second was just like it. He says in Matthew twenty two thirty six. 36, listen to this. Teacher, they asked, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. You want to honor him? Seek him passionately. You want to honor him? Spread his love boldly. But I am telling you, there, there's something great we can learn about our own heart in reading this when he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I'm going to tell you, I have given my heart to many things. And in giving my heart to many things, I have found that there's only so much I can give to God. It usually takes in our lives as it took in mine some kind of awakening and it came in the midst of testing. God tested me and I, I, went through, I went through trials and discovered that I wasn't giving my all to God. I was only giving a small piece of who I was. And I'm just telling you, you can't be obedient if you give him just a piece. 
You can't. And I am telling you, if you choose to say, God, I'm now bonded to you because of your son, Jesus Christ. I'm bonded by what he's done for me. And so I choose to live for him. I choose to love you, Lord, with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind because at the end of the day, everything else around me is decaying. Everything is done. It doesn't give me satisfaction. It doesn't give me hope. But God, you do. And your love is everlasting. It's eternal. And I am telling you, church, that you and I, we are, we are dying. We are dying. It was just yesterday I was a five-year-old running around being an idiot. Now I'm a 41-year-old running around being an idiot, you know? And we're getting older. And time on this earth is so short. But if we wake up and realize it's not about just today, it's not about just tomorrow or that retirement or getting that different job or finding the right partner. It's about eternity with him. Life goes by so quickly. And God recognized the need for you and I to be saved from our folly. He saw the fragility of life, human life, and so he sent his son. And the opportunity that I want to give you today is every head bows, just close your eyes to focus on him. As if you were to say, I can't just give a piece of myself anymore. And you'd be open to the ministering of the Holy Spirit so that he could show you how maybe you're not giving all. Because I'm telling you that there are, there are multiple awakenings that you and I might have in our lifetimes. But one thing I don't want to do again is I don't want to find myself again seeing that I'm a long way off from who I intend to be. I want to find myself on this path following out after God. And so if you are like me, you're saying, Pastor, I need, I need to give everything I have to Him. I need to, I need to focus solely on Him. I need to operate out of obedience to Him, accept His Son's authority over my life. And God, I'm going to give Him honor by doing Your will. If you're with me today, and you say, Pastor, I need to give all of myself. I'm tired of just giving part of myself. I need to live it out daily. Would you stand up with me? We have an opportunity this morning to surrender some real junk in our lives over to God. And so you and I, we have a choice to make. 
we have a choice in whether or not we're going to be honest with God or whether we're going to keep playing the game of Christian, which I think is absolute junk. And if there's things that you need to lay down today, here's what I encourage you to do. Find someone you trust to say, I am laying this down and I am telling you that I'm laying this down because I want to be held accountable for what I do from this day forward. Because I am not okay with playing the game of Christian anymore. And so what I want us to do, there's many of us here. Maybe you need to find someone to pray with. I encourage you to grab a hold of someone if they're in this room but I want us to be honest with God and so you and I we have an opportunity to pray together and I want to pray over all of you but if you want to find someone now I encourage you to do it and I want to begin to pray Heavenly Father Lord, you see all those that are standing here. And Lord, it is so easy for us to get wrapped up, engulfed in these these worldly things. And God, we're only giving pieces of ourselves to you at a time because God we're being pulled in so many different directions but Lord I pray today that by those who are standing by those who are grabbing a hold of someone and praying together God that you will show us what true surrender means God that we are we are giving up these things to give our heart our whole heart to you God to give our whole mind to you Father And Lord, I pray that today, by us standing in obedience to your call, God, that you will give us freedom over these things in Jesus' name. And that, Lord, we can find someone that we can trust to tell them about what's been going on in our life. And that, Lord, they will be true and good accountability partners. That, God, the goal is that one day, me and everyone standing in this room that Lord when we get to that finish line that when we get to the end of this life and we have crossed that finish line that we see ourselves with you in eternity celebrating and rejoicing God God I pray right now that we let these things go that we don't realize are holding us captive from you. And God, I pray that in the coming days we we not be satisfied with just what you're speaking right now, but we be sensitive to your Holy Spirit because God, there, there might be many layers to this. And God, there might be many things that you are asking us to give up. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, that we will be praying and seeking you on what all, God, is, is in the way, is, is a barrier between us and you. Because, God, we want to knock each barrier down, and we want to do it with success, God. We cannot be satisfied anymore. 
with, Lord, acknowledging they exist and doing nothing about it. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may these be broken in our lives for good. I thank you and I praise you, God. Lord, you are so good. We love you, Father. We thank you for the sacrifice of your Son. And God, we are bonded to him because of him taking our place on that cross. And Lord, may we look to him as the perfect example of who we ought to be. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.